Welcome to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and today's show is sponsored by Nugenics. Are you a woman or a partner of a woman at midlife or beyond? Have you just discovered you have a passion for horses? I tell you, this is a lot of us on the Not Old Better Show audience, but maybe you found time for horses after years of being devoted to a job and family. Surveys show that riders over the age of 40 are the fastest growing segment of the equestrian world, with those age 65 and above seeing the biggest jump. So you are far from alone. Our guest today is author Fran Severn. Fran Severn has written the new book, Riders of a Certain Age, your go-to guide for loving horses midlife and beyond. Well, again, surveys show that the fastest growing segment of the population of horse lovers right now are those of us who are over the age of 65, all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience. And if you've found that you just have that absolute passion, you've got the time to pursue it, Riders of a Certain Age by our guest today, Fran Severn, is your go-to guide to get started. Let's listen as Fran Severn graciously reads from her new book, Riders of a Certain Age. What is it with women and horses? Why are so many women obsessed with horses, riding, and all things equine? With so many other activities available, what draws us to these great, sometimes mysterious beasts? Other people are dedicated to their hobbies, but not like us. Foursomes meet regularly to play a round of golf. Mahjong and bridge clubs toss tiles and bid fiercely every week. Some women attend their Zumba and aqua aerobics classes with an almost religious fervor, but they rarely reach the level of total dedication that identifies horse lovers. And it seems to be an all-or-nothing fascination. You are either born with this disposition for loving horses or you are, at best, disinterested. Those who don't share our passion don't understand it or us, and we don't understand them. There is little scientific research that explores why so many women love horses. Freud said it had to do with sexuality and how women really want to be men. But then with Freud, everything had to do with sexuality and women wanting to be men. To be fair, there are fundamental differences between the physiological and psychological makeup of men and women. Women have a deeper limbic system. That's the part of our brains that controls behavior and emotions. Our limbic system predisposes us to be concerned with bonding, reproduction, feeding, sheltering, and protecting those under our care. Our female brains are wired to be more intuitive and emotional. We are generally more empathic than men, and we pick up nonverbal cues and body language much more easily than they do. The guys are hardwired for domination and action. Empathy is generally viewed as a weakness, and intuition is often written off in favor of concrete, provable evidence. Where horses are concerned, by and large, women prefer trail riding, dressage, or working with rescues, while men gravitate towards high-energy competition like rodeo sports or three-day events. One comparison is often heard is that women love horses while men love riding. That, of course, is our guest today, author, writer, and horse expert, Fran Severin, reading a passage from her new book, Riders of a Certain Age, your go-to guide for loving horses midlife and beyond. Please join me for a spirited, good-humored, and lovely interview with Fran Severin. Fran Severin, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. 
Good to talk to you today, too. Congratulations on the book. We're going to talk about it. The name of the book is Writers of a Certain Age. It's it's this, this great book. And we were talking briefly a moment ago. It's uh, as you describe it, it is not a textbook. You have this wonderful sense of humor. It's a guide. And you say on the front cover, it is your guide for loving horses, midlife and beyond. I think that's perfect for our audience. And in my research of you, you say that writers over 40 are the fastest growing segment of the equestrian world with those over age 65 and above seeing the most significant jump. I just thought that was really interesting. I I didn't know any of this before talking to you and reading the book. And again, the book is wonderful. But why is that? I think it's a couple of factors. Um, Our generation, in the past, you hit 60, 65, you're expected to move to Florida, maybe golf. And now you're hitting 60, 65, and there are people who are learning to skydive, not me. And I think that's part of it. It's it's that we we are more able to do things. And for a lot of us, we now have the time. You know, our kids are grown. The husband's retired. We have our own interests. And many of us have better disposable income in some cases. And for a lot of us, it's, we're finally saying it's our turn to do what we've always wanted to do, either ride if we never did or get back in, into it because we had to stop at some point. And I think that's part of it. We're 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 healthier, we're living longer, and we're we're more more determined to have fun and, and live life on our terms. Yeah, you know, I'm 65, and um, I rode horses for a long time as as a boy. I think that's probably what attracted me to the book. My wife grew up; she did uh, she worked on a um, a bull stud. Wow, actually, uh, growing up, and uh, was going to go to veterinary school. And she hasn't ridden for a long time. She's uh, going to be sixty. She's very interested in riding again too. And and I just thought, you know, this this there's something to this. You yeah. have had this remarkable career, really, as a broadcaster. <laughs> you Kentuck, you covered the Kentucky Derby. I thought yes. that was great. Yeah, uh-huh. just you know, just this amazing stuff. You've also been involved in. Um, in, in various equine-focused productions, uh, you know, as a reporter, you decided to own a horse, you know, not report on it at one point. What led you to that interest? Because I can see where we're interested, but what led you to that interest? Oh, well, I think if if you report on horses, you almost have to have one. There's an organization called the American Horse Publications, and that is the umbrella group for all equine media, not just print. And... um I think it's a couple hundred people belong. We're all reporters or broadcasters or videographers or photographers, and almost every one of us owns a horse. Hmm. I mean, it, it, you, you just can't. It's like covering <laughs> automotive activities but not owning a car. <laughs> right. So, I mean, part of the reason I moved to Kentucky, I'd had a, a, a half of a job offer elsewhere. And I said, well, that's nice, but Louisville. <laughs> I'm going to get a job in Louisville, you know? <laughs> And uh, and there there was there was no second thought about that. Yeah, I I found that part of your your career and your history really interesting too. Well, let me talk to you for a moment or two about you know kind of being an older writer. As I say, I'm 65. Mm-hmm. You know, and many in my audience are going to uh, be very interested in this subject. I I just I just know that. So how do how do we kind of begin to understand the realities of of writing? today at this age, you know, dealing with, you know, possible, um, you know, sore muscles, even arthritis, you know, some of us are, you know, have a little vision loss, a little hearing loss. Can we even do this writing thing? (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There, there are, if you go on social media, 
there are at least a dozen groups that are specifically for us. The The book has a website that is also writersofacertainage.com. And it's a resource guide so that I you, know, you can't mention specific products and such in a book because by the time it comes out, it's outdated. So there's a resource section. And one of them is all the, all the different current groups on social media. And all of them, that is one reason I wrote the book, because I'd read these groups and they'd all say, I'm going to have my knee replaced. I have arthritis. I have this. I have that. I have something else. Can I still ride? And that was one of the, the, the impetuses of perhaps of the book is to keep answering these questions. And you know, this was one was a health. The first thing is there are very few conditions that you cannot at least manage. And if you really can't get into the saddle, then there are many things you can do on, on the ground. Um, there are any rescue would love to have you come and help fuss with the horses. And there's like um, agility with horses, like you do agility with dogs, but from the physical aspect, Take an honest look at what you can and can't do and um, then work accordingly. Work on fitness. There are a number of programs online that are specifically for people getting into riding. They're either done by an equestrian who's also a trainer or vice versa. And you just kind of work into your own fitness level. And if you've got a normal fitness level, you can probably ride. You're not going to be doing hunter jumper probably because the ground gets hard as you get older. Roy Rogers said, you know, when you're young, you bounce. When you're our age, you splat. Um, or do, um, you know, competitive, um, intensive um, endurance races where you're going 100 miles a day. I could never do that even when I was fit. But you can do trail riding. Dressage is a lovely sport because it's all about getting you and the horse together. Um, you, you can, and, and the, the type of horse you ride. Um, there are some horses like Tennessee Walkers and Paso Finos. They're very smooth. They don't have much of a gait. It's like riding a Barco lounger. <laughs> um, so you kind of get what your your uh, fitness level is, and you just kind of gradually work into fitness, and the horse will help. The first few days, you will forget. You will remember. You will find that you have muscles you forgot you had. Mm-hmm. And in my case, for some reason, I keep getting horses that are like five feet six at the withers, which is where you sit. And coming down is also, it's a very like difficult, oh, do I have to get off this horse? But most horses, like quarter horses, they're much shorter. So you're not, it's easier to get up and down. And you just kind of work with of, of how you feel and your your fitness will get better as you go along. What about fear of the horse itself? Should we be concerned about horses in terms of just their size and our size in relation to that? <laughs> It is one of the great ironies, I guess, is that so many women are really fearful of riding, but they can't stay away from horses. Go figure. Um, there's, an, there's a normal fear that, you know, yes, you could fall at any age. When you're little, you don't realize this. There's actually some psychological and physiological um, things they found that as you get, as you're young, your fear protective instincts don't kick in as quickly. As you're older, they do. And that is physiologically measurable, I think, probably because your brain is going, wait a minute. Um, but it, it's it's a normal thing. There are a number of, of books out there written by and for people who are nervous. Um, your trainer it will, will help you if you really are concerned. And, I mean, I've been writing, what, 
since longer than I would admit. I've been writing seriously for the last 20 years. And yeah, I've had some impressive falls that scared me, but you can't stay away from it. Very rarely, I think that Hollywood has this thing about you get on a horse and it runs off with you and it rears and it kicks and it does all these stupid things. And most of the time they're like, let's just go for a ride. So it's, it's, it is certainly a very rational concern. You are getting on something that weighs about a thousand pounds and has its own mindset. Um, but I think most people, once you get on your horse and you begin to ride, you realize that it's going to be okay. What does the horse think? Does the horse think it's going to be okay or are they kind of overly sensitive? Do they kind of have a certain intuition about us as riders getting, getting right on yeah. top of them? Horses pick up our emotions. Mm-hmm. A horse's base, um, what's it, frequency, that, that is very close to what our alpha frequency is, which is the calmest setting, which is why horses are so good for therapy. Because just being around a horse can make you very calm because they, by and large, are very calm. You don't find angry horses or jealous horses. They'll have their moment of like, hey, leave me alone. And then they're back. When, when they're in the, You can watch that in, in the pasture. There will be one horse, and they can tell each other off with a flick of the ear or swish of the tail how they stand. But there's very rarely a horse that's, that's a nasty horse. Uh, so they'll pick up your, your feelings. And if, if, if you're a beginner, you'll be on a horse that's like, oh, yeah, another newbie. Okay, that's fine. And they, they generally take very good care of people because that's, that's what they are. That's, that's just their, their, um, their psychology is to get along and be calm and just go with life, live in the moment. And that, that I think helps people when they're riding to know that this horse has been taking beginners since gasoline was a buck fifty a gallon, and they'll take care of you as well. <laughs> hey, it's Paul. We'll be right back with author Fran Severin to talk horses and riding as older adults. Speaking as we do always <laughs> of older adults and being better, I mentioned our sponsor today, Nugenics. As an older man, I can talk very personally about this product, just like many of you in the Not Old Better Show audience can and will. Getting older and better, understandably, comes with some changes, changes to our bodies. You know, there's the dad bod that everybody talks about or the granddad bod. We feel a little bit less like our former selves. We may look it too. We may have the time to work out, exercise, be active, but our energy isn't quite there. I get it. And that's why I tried the Nugenics product. I've used it now for two weeks and I definitely notice a difference. I'm revived. I have a little bit more spring to my step. It's great. You know, it's not your fault. As men, we age. Our body naturally loses free testosterone, the man hormone. It happens to every man and can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic and active. That's because when you were younger, you were at the peak of your testosterone production what some have called the winner's hormone or the man hormone. Wouldn't it be nice to get that winner's edge again and to hold that swagger right back in your step? Yep, it would. You want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testofen will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better. That's right, not old Better Show audience. Get you better 
results at the gym and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Nugenics Total Tea contains man-boosting key ingredients like testophen. It has been validated in five clinical studies. We talk about clinical studies all the time here. This product, Nugenics with testophen, has been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. Because Nugenics Total Tea boosts free testosterone that the aging process robs, you'll feel stronger, leaner, and you'll have more energy and drive, more passion to your partner will notice the difference. Nugenics Total Tea is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC, and Nugenics has won GNC's Top Product of the Year award two years running. This is a fantastic achievement. It's a fantastic product. You got to check it out. So now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text NOB to 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape fast, absolutely free. So text NOB 231-231. All this will be in our show notes, but remember, text NOB to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Terms apply. It's available at Nugenics.com slash terms. Thanks, everybody. And now back to our interview with author Fran Severin, author of the wonderful new book, Writers of a Certain Age. We're with Fran Severin. Fran Severin has written the wonderful new book. It is a guide. It is just fantastic. I really enjoyed it, Fran Severin. The title of the book is Writers of a Certain Age. That certain age just happens to be very much the age of our audience here on the program. And so I just thought this was just a great opportunity to talk to Fran Severin about her book. And we've learned so much. The book, again, is just this really honest look at the realities of of starting out with horses, whether you're um, you know, new to horses or have been with horses previously many years ago. And uh, if you're getting older and all of that, the book is um, – well received and i found a review in cowgirl magazine saying and we we've gotten a little bit of this already from fran severin but fran severin's writing style is witty and insightful whether a newcomer to the horse world or a returning writer readers will appreciate the wisdom of writers of a certain age i thought that was a great statement and again we've uh, appreciated um i'm thrilled with it i've just been so yeah the I've just been so excited at the reception. This is my first book. And even though my editor said, oh, Fran, it'll be wonderful, you don't know until it's out there. (laughs) Well, it's out there. And uh, you generously shared the copy with me. I enjoyed it. And I'm going to put links in the show notes to where our audience can find out more information, of course, about this wonderful book about Fran Severin. Let's talk a little bit about some of the basics in the book, though, in particular – Irrespective of whether we've been a writer previously or want to get back into it as kind of a newbie, as you suggest, how do we find the right instructor for those of us who are over age 60? Do we need an instructor who is also over age 60? What's your kind of opinion on all of that? Not over age 60. I've had wonderful instructors who are teenagers who are just very talented. And I've ridden with people that have all kinds of ribbons and credentials and and, – um, great history as, as, a, as a trainer or a breeder, and they're not. It's a communications thing. It's That's what's important. Um, to find somebody, ask around, that sounds rather trite, but if you know other people who ride, 
if you um, if you live someplace where you see a, a horse show going on, go and, and look around. Um, obviously, check out stables in the area and be very upfront. This is what I do. Are you used to riding with older people? Are you used to riding with beginners? Don't be afraid to take classes with kids because they're at the same level. And their enthusiasm is so wonderful. And it's great to be around the kids. And they just think it's great that you love horses, too. And so you'd ask. So be honest with the instructor. This is what I want. If you want to find an, what you want is to find an instructor who's going to teach you how to take care of the horse, bring it in, groom it, uh, do those things, as opposed to going in the horse is saddled and you just ride. I don't think that's going to make you a good horse person. I don't think you're going to enjoy it that much. Um, but then look at the stable. Does the stable have a good schooling program? Or they can't, what, you know, I would presume most people want to get started to just say, I just want to ride and see where it goes. So you don't want to go to, say, a high-end dressage or hunter-jumper stable that's really dedicated to showing. You probably won't be as comfortable there as going to someplace that has a schooling program, an after-school program, that, that ask if they have any other adult um, riders and connect with them. And most of the instructors will try to work very hard with you to make you feel comfortable because you're an income source. And if you're happy, you may tell your friends and they will come and you will have a great group. You, and you and I were talking a little bit about this. You're East Coast. I'm East Coast. I happen to live in an area where there are an awful lot of stables. I did a quick internet search before I, you know, uh, it, you know, kind of in advance of talking to you, and I found that there's dressage, there's English, there's Western. What if you live in an urban area? What if you want to find a stable? You're not quite sure where they might be. Looking online doesn't necessarily produce anything. Are urban areas good places to ride? Is it not even a a, a starter to to look at an urban area? It it kind of depends on how far you're willing to drive. I grew up in downtown Baltimore. And I never rode until I was an adult and out of college. But in downtown Baltimore at the time, um. Let me think, because I think some of those stables are still there. Probably within a half hour, you can probably find something. You can also check online with your um, your your state um, agriculture department. They will often have horse councils or something similar. Their agriculture department will have a horse council or something similar. And they usually have a list of stables and um, they can probably help you find somebody nearby. And again, if you go to some of the, you can also do a um, uh, an online source uh, search for um, horse riding near, say, your location. Don't just put riding because that'll come up with motorcycles. You have to put horse riding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, personally. The horse riding appeals to me a lot. I know there are an awful lot in our audience that ride motorcycles. I'm just not one of those. So I'll stick. I'll stick to the horse. That just sounds like a great way to be outside. And uh, and I know people. My husband's exactly the opposite. He does not like horses, but he used to have a motorcycle. Yeah. So go figure. Yeah, right. Right. Well, again, the, of course, he also flies airplanes. So yeah. oh, okay, he's doing it all. My gosh, good for him. Good. Well, the book is uh, fantastic. Writers of a Certain Age, again, is the title. It's excellent. You talk about buying, leasing, boarding horses. I'm assuming that your advice is to kind of start a little slowly with horses, perhaps lease. But what's involved in renting a horse? How much does it cost to do that? Okay. 
I think starting slowly is don't do anything until you are absolutely sure the bug is bitten and you've taken a look at your finances and you can afford it. When you lease a horse or rent a horse, same thing. You have all of the bills, but you don't own the horse. So the advantage is if you decide it's not for you, then you're not left with trying to, to sell a horse, which can be difficult. Um, the disadvantage is if the owner decides to sell the horse or um, you know, for whatever reason and the lease, you've spent the money. You don't have anything to, to um, show for it, but a lot of good memories. So I think the main thing is is to take lessons – just get comfortable with horses, and then you'll start to decide what it is that you want to do with horses. Do you want to just trail ride? I don't say just with, with quotes around it because some people think that's like, well, that's that's nothing. But a good trail horse is a treasure. Um, or do you want to reach the point where you want to have a horse and buy a trailer and drive around the country and you know take your horse to every – state or national park do you want to get into dressage do you want to get into some of these other activities so ride a horse until you have an idea of what you want and then work with your instructor to get the horse that you need because you may see i i know people I, i'm thinking of somebody specifically absolutely most gorgeous horse i have ever seen in fact it's the horse on the back cover of the book it's not my horse mm. but he has an attitude and he can be a very <laughs> difficult is not a beginner's horse and, um, you know, sometimes you'll get a horse that you love, but it's, it, he has a stronger personality than, than you necessarily have the talent for at that stage. So you'll get to know the horse and then you decide where you want to go. And then the, the trainer never look for a horse on your own. You are just too much. Uh, a target for the people that make the, uh, the Nigerian, uh, fortune scams look legitimate. <laughs> I know too many people who are professionals who have been taken. Hmm. You know, the, the, I'm looking the, at the back cover on the book. I'm sorry. You no, go no. ahead. It's, 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 yeah, he's a good looking horse. <laughs> I just looked at it myself. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Looks like you maybe are going to be out riding in the snow there, a little bit of snow on the ground. Perhaps. It was so cold that day. We have been trying <laughs> and trying to get the photo shoot done. And one thing after another, after another, and it was freezing cold. And the people that were going to help me couldn't. And I called this friend that has this horse. It's not her horse. It's her husband's horse. And I said, hey, can we come up and, and use Avenger because he's so gorgeous and I've got the right jacket. And we came up and he just posed. Mm -hmm. But, oh, my fingers mm -hmm. were so numb that Beautiful day. Picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great picture. Again, I, you know, I want to encourage our audience to get this book. Have it in your hands. It's a guide. And I think, you know, I'm all for ebooks, but. It's nice to have a book in your hands. You get these great photos and all of these tables and printed material that just will give you a, a wonderful resource. You mentioned dressage, the sport of dressage. I, that's just a whole other level for most. But is that a goal? Should should people think I'm going to progress beyond? Because you refer to kind of this idea of trail riding, and and do we do we think okay from trail riding I'm going to move up the ladder perhaps to no, dressage, dressage simply means training. That is what it means. What mm -hmm. you see in the Olympics is like the 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 Uber. Of, of all of this, mm -hmm. but, um, there are some Western rainers, you know, champion rainers. They do it because it's all about you and the horse mind melding so that you're, it's about balance. It's about, um, reading signals. It's about, you know, the two of you communicating and I mean, you could get into 
the, the, the riding what they call the test, the patterns and competition. But basically every horse to get balanced, to understand the cues, for the two of you to understand each other, that's what it's all about. I want to make jump back for a second, though, because you, you said something that triggered that made me giggle. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about fitness and the charts in the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's one chart in the book that talks about the, um, the, the calories that you burn, mm-hmm. how many calories you burn cleaning out a stall, multiply it by how <laughs> many stalls. And my favorite one, and it comes from Kentucky Equine um, – Oh, what is it? It's it's one of the feed companies in Kentucky. They're they're credited on the on this page, and the one that I like best it even tells you how many calories you burn in an hour chasing a horse that doesn't want to come in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. right. I remember that. Yeah, mucking the stalls and uh, yes. the grooming clock and P- pitching uh, hay. You 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 will get yourself a great upper body workout because <laughs> <laughs> right, the average right. bale of hay weighs about fifty pounds. Yeah. So that that's when you're getting your strength building, your your upper body workout there. Yeah, that is all good stuff. Well, a final question for you. I know I know you're very busy and we certainly appreciate yeah. your time. Well, thank okay. you so much for for everything. So if you know, again, my audience all of whom are over age 65, what are the best tips and advice for somebody over age 65 that's looking forward to a life with horses? And and what's the best advice that you received as you were starting just first starting to get back into horses oh i think you know go out with it looking for joy looking for fun this is uh, so many times we get involved in something and we have goals and when i first got into riding when i first got back it was well i have to ride this and i have to do it this way and i have to ride this pattern and i have to teach the horses and i have to do this and and it wasn't fun and you, you'll play games with your horse. Well, games to me, you have rules, you have directions, you have a winner and a loser. And somebody said, you're never going to be happy doing that. And I realized I was right. I had to learn how to just let go. And honest to Pete, I took my mare, I put her on a 12-foot lead line, I had a little beach chair, and I sat out there and let her hand graze, and I had a CD player, and I was playing Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> and we did that for a week, maybe mm, longer, to just nice. relax, have fun. Don't set a goal necessarily. I mean, the goal will be to, to be a competent, safe rider. But don't go out there saying, well, I'm going to jump a three-foot course and, and you know, three, you know a, a jumper course, or I'm going to go on a 25-mile trail ride, or I'm going to do you know, the, the third-level dressage test within five years. Just go with the flow. Just enjoy. And you'll go, if you do have goals, you'll reach them more quickly because you're having fun and you're relaxing. And that's what it's all about. And you're learning patience, which my husband says, how could you do dressage? You have no patience. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> but you have to learn to um, get rid of your ego because the horse is not terribly impressed with you. And um, you, you just learn to you learn yourself better. Because in order to succeed with the horse, you have to look inside yourself and learn how to communicate with yourself. And then that transfers to your horse. And when, when, when I open up the stall door and the horse knickers, it's all, or, or he's out in the field and he comes walking towards me and leaves his buddies to do that, that just <laughs> validates your existence. Oh, that is wonderful. Fran Severin, of course, has been our guest, author of the wonderful book, Riders of a Certain Age. Um, just a great guide for uh, all of us. And, and as you've 
been talking to us, I, I really have felt like there's a companionship that is uh, developed with a horse. And you talk about the sisterhood that can go along with it, but uh, go along with that companionship. But I, you know, I feel like we can, as men, we can we can appreciate that sisterhood too, and go right along with it. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it's all about. It's not gender based. It's relationship with with the horse and understanding yourself and understanding the horse. And if you do that, you automatically understand the other people at the stable. Well, again, Fran Severn, our guest today, uh, author of this great book, uh, Riders of a Certain Age: Your Guide for Loving Horses, Midlife and Beyond. Fran, thanks for your um, for your time and for all of your research. You. And, and absolutely, I just would would ask you as you write. Uh, again, and I bet you are. Please come back and talk to us again because this is just a wonderful subject. I know our audience is going to be excited about it, but we'd love to have you back. Thank you so much, Paul. This was absolutely delightful. My thanks to author Fran Severn, who's written the wonderful new book, Riders of a Certain Age, your go-to guide for loving horses midlife and beyond. For more about Fran Severn, please check out our show notes today. My thanks to sponsor Nugenics. Please support our sponsors and try Nugenics or suggest it to your partner by referring to today's show notes for all the details. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better show audience on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe. Let's eliminate assault rifles. Let's remember this. Let's keep our children and our grandchildren safe everywhere, but especially in school. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see one another next week. 